The Blockbusters Podcast is proud to be a member of the Pod Bros Network. You can find us as well as other fantastic podcasts such as Pencil and Ink Review, Another Damn Trivia Show, and The Language of Bromance at podbros.com, as well as on most other fine podcasting services. Now sit back, relax, and prepare to share and enjoy the Blockbusters Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Film Spotlight, your little dive into someone else's mind because you're fed up with ours. I'm Paul. And I'm Brian. And today we have on to talk about the film they like and the film they don't, someone that you might possibly have heard in some fashion or another, be it in video games or as a Star Wars toy, uh, or maybe more likely his rather popular YouTube series of doing the honest trailers and so on and so forth. It is the man himself, John Bailey. How are you doing, sir? I'm great. I'm so <laughs> glad you had me on. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, you know, I was wondering what it'd be like to hear your voice for the first time outside of honest trailers, and that's, I didn't disappoint. And just to clarify, so you don't get a bunch of fans asking me a bunch of stuff, I just do the voice for those guys. I do not make that series. No, so, no, yes, no, yes, no. You voice so, it, There's yeah. a very decent-sized yes. crew that puts that stuff mm-hmm. together, so uh, just a little... <laughs> Yes, I, part of it. Yeah, I I couldn't imagine if you had to do everything for that. I don't think you well, would I'm do anything else. Trying to make, I already try to. I already do my own content on my own channel, plus the full time voice over uh, here, yeah. plus family. So yeah, it's it's. I've already got my plate full. Yeah, having recently just expanded my family, I can understand <laughs> having family added into the mix with everything else. Yes, very much a hands on job right there. <laughs> It's very, very big hand job, yeah. <laughs> well, that's what started off leading to the family. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Brian, did you have anything written down there that uh, you wanted to talk about? No, I just want to, yeah, just um, kind of see where you started and kind of what you enjoy about the work. Yeah, um, getting paid is my favorite part. Uh, <laughs> Wait, this isn't okay. All right, well, yeah, uh, no yeah, so our check might be arriving a little late. <laughs> so. uh, well, I mean, it's 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 a longer story than five minutes, but I'll yeah, I gotcha. The, the uh, shortest version. Uh, mm-hmm. While I was at work, my wife made a made a page for me on social media back when MySpace was the dominant site, and it was back before we all had pop up blockers for advertisements. <laughs> and a uh, a production company that had a national a national chain of, of studios happened to have a location in our area, and the pop up showed up that said they were looking for voice talent, and they actually had a location that was like fifteen minutes from us. And she's like, oh, you should try this. The worst they can do is say no. And she was totally right. They they liked me, signed me, made some demos, auditioned me. And then 11 days after my first audition, I had booked my first gig. And I did that part-time for a year and a half. And then my full-time job went bankrupt. Wow. So I had not much of a choice except to try a voice thing full-time. And then my career just kind of slowly took off from there. I started doing trailers first and commercial things. And then uh, the guys on YouTube found me and put me in uh, the Honest Trailers uh, because they lost their previous voice. And uh, my first manager who was booking me in trailers put me in touch with a a different manager after we'd been together for about a year or so. And then she got me with the biggest agency in the business and started booking uh, video game franchises and sound alike stuff for all, some of the biggest celebrities in Hollywood. I spent last week filling in for Russell Crowe for The Mummy. 
Oh. And uh, mm. yeah, so just a little bit of everything um, out there. And I've got two new big game franchises that uh, will be coming out one next month and one later this year that I'm still not allowed to talk about yet. But uh, but the yeah, the XCOM video games and Star Wars toys and sound likes and documentary narration and um, work on Man Seeking Woman, which is an FX series. I do voices for them sometimes. And uh, the was the announcer for uh, the, the narrator for a show on the Lossy Network called Graveyard Cars for for a bit, and lots of cool stuff. Yeah, promo guy for ABC, which is a tough gig to get. I'm just a little a little bit of everything I'm all over the place. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like. <laughs> uh, so, did you discover just like uh, at an early age that you were very good at voices, or that you can make your family laugh or your wife laugh? Yeah, well, I mean, it kind of started as a competition because my mom said that she could do the voice of Grover from Sesame Street, and I knew I could do it better than she could. <laughs> so, um, but then when I was five, I heard uh, I heard Peter Cohen's voice in the original Voltron cartoon, and again in Transformers as Optimus Prime, and I was just like, "That's the greatest voice ever!" And ironically enough, I ended up becoming Optimus Prime for Go Nineties uh, Transformers Combined Wars cartoon, which yeah. my, my first. My first animated series, and I'm Optimus Prime, which is amazing. So, uh, yeah, so I've come come full circle. Yeah, there's nothing else now. You can retire happy. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I've almost checked everything off the bucket list, pretty much. Now, when uh, you like work on a uh, new voice, or your how is it just individual to the voice? How long like it takes to get it down before you're ready to? Go well, ahead. I used to be like if I heard a voice that I could do or if I just came up with an interesting character voice, I would just kind of mess around with it for about a day and then it would just kind of go in the bank and then I would just, mm-hmm. you know, but now I, my, my job's a lot different now because with the sound alike stuff, they don't give you much time to get it done. They'll just send you a reference and a script and say, sound like this, you got five minutes or 10 minutes. And so you don't have time to prep. <laughs> okay, yeah. And I just give it, and I work, I work exceptionally well under pressure. I always have. So they'll throw stuff out at me, and I'm just like, yeah, okay, I'll give it a shot. And then I'll just go into that beautiful mind scene. <laughs> <laughs> just figure <laughs> start appearing in front of your face. I'll see and, all the yeah. – you can see, like, the, the, the digital patterns of the guy's voice or whatever it is in my head. <laughs> and then I'll just do it and end up booking it and, and make lots of money off of it, which is great for taking care of bills, which is what the money's best for. That's what it's there. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe not what it's best for, but what it's most used for, I would imagine. Yeah, I would assume so, yeah. All right. Well, uh, did you have anything else, Paul? Or did I think I was going to say to hookers and blow, but you just took that away. <laughs> <laughs> that's implied. That's, yeah. Uh, yeah, we we basically just assume that of most people, and then and then yeah. you get to it. But uh, no, I, I don't think I have anything else there other than um, what would you say your favorite job so far has been? Oh, it's got to be working for for Transformers, doing yeah. stuff for Hasbro. It's just a good because I mean the the franchise that I grew up being the biggest fan of now is a big fan of me, and it's just like the greatest feeling in the world. When they were like, "Oh man, we we love you over here at Hasbro." There's like the best word you could possibly hear. <laughs> a Hasbro fan. Uh, yeah. And did you happen to be in the Battleship film? Or did you have any part in that as well? Being another Hasbro thing, or is it the Battleship totally film? Yeah, was it, it Battleship? The film Battleship. Oh, the, oh, sorry. <laughs> Based on the amazing it. game right. Battleship. Yeah, I forgot right. they made a movie about that. No, so did uh, everyone else. <laughs> I wasn't working for them at the time. Sorry. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. Sorry. So you we're can't free to shit on for them. that okay. film. You can't no. blame me for that movie. Don't 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 you put that curse on me. No, <laughs> you could have just been ensign number three somewhere on the ship or something. Well, I, no, I have done background voices for for films before, but not not for any Hasbro movies. Uh, right. I was a lot of the minions and. and Creature voices in Krampus, and uh, yep. I filled in for uh, what is his name? 
guy from it. Django Unchained. Uh, Jamie Foxx. No, Jamie Foxx. <laughs> yes. I have felt it for Jamie Foxx before, but not for that male. Uh, uh-huh. The the German. Australian. Oh, Christoph Waltz. Yeah. Christoph Waltz. Huh? But mm-hmm. His name eluded me. Uh, for that movie Epic from Blue Sky, the animated film. Oh. Uh, yeah, I filled in for him. Didn't, did his battle screams? Apparently, he does. <laughs> Apparently, I don't do my own battle screams. So yeah, I did that and filled it. They had to change some lines for the rating. I'm assuming. And uh, so, and I, I was told it wasn't going to be used for the actual film. And then when we like, took the kids to see it because they wanted to hear it, uh, we heard me in it, and we're like, oh, well, I guess I am in the movie. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah, that's, that's an awesome gig, and it's a lot of fun too. I get to work with some some big actors. Uh, well, they're big actors to me, like. Yeah. Um, my friend, uh, my friend Adam does the voice of Marco in Star vs. Forces of Evil, and my friend Eric is uh, Blue Beetle in Young Justice, and the three of us were like the main guys that they used over and over for Krampus. So we get to work in person together in this big, huge ADR studio at the Backlot of Universal oh, Studio. That, those jobs are just freaking awesome. Yeah, that does sound like a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, uh, I just sit down laughing to myself like, I can't believe they're paying us to have this much fun. <laughs> I, was, I, was like, I, I listened to... Uh, Rob Paulson podcast, and he basically says the same thing in every episode. Like, every time he's talking to another voice actor, he just says, "Can you believe we get paid to do this?" Because yeah, I he's a he's a buddy of mine. That's how uh, we we met. We went out to dinner one time when I was out in L.A. and just had a nice long conversation and uh, started trying to help him out with with some of his talking to and stuff. And uh, yeah, trying to help him with his, his YouTube content because a lot of voice actors they they don't quite understand the the YouTube side of things, and I'm one of the very few that does a lot of both where you know i'm not just doing voiceover work or just working in animation or just video games i don't just do one thing that i'm really really good at I do lots of different things but mm-hmm. then i have this whole separate youtube thing where i'm just doing voices for all kinds of huge channels Listen, your your channel is awesome i mean i'm not just, <laughs> oh, thank you it is uh the the willem dafoe narrating the music or the uh, makeup tutorial i was like cry <laughs> That I just I feel like I feel like there's some kind of bottleneck where people have not really discovered my my content yet. But I feel like if I just keep grinding away at it, eventually yeah. somebody's <laughs> gonna find something. Like Ellen's gonna find my Mark Wahlberg uh, gym video or something. <laughs> it's just gonna blow, and all of a sudden I'm gonna have this huge following. But yeah, as of right now, my my personal channel, even though I'm, I'm I've tried to do the best I could to polish it up and get it as be- as best as it can be, it's still not finding its audience yet. Um, but I, but I appreciate you appreciate you pimping it out though. You can, you can find <laughs> yeah. Epic Voice Guy on YouTube pretty pretty easily, and all the social media. Epic Voice Guy is kind of the brand name that I get stuck with now. So, uh, yeah. but it does make me easy to find. All you have to do is type in Epic Voice Guy. And find <laughs> check anything other work. Yeah, it's either going to be you or that homeless guy on the street that someone just. Filmed. No, you know what? After the craft commercial, things kind of fell apart for him. If you really want to get some uh, some airtime, what you should do is release something just bashing on Trump, and then he will sue you, and then you'll get in the media that way, and then everyone will. Well, yeah, anything <laughs> anything he tweets starts starts losing uh, losing money right away. So. <laughs> uh, I would hate to be a business with this guy in office. <laughs> oh man. Have you heard the the uh, Mark Hamill reading the tweets? I have Joker. not. That is some pretty good voice work, if I can say. Well, my, my buddies over at Knowing Orange think I should just do a gameplay documentary, just as just as Trump, just do commentary as Donald Trump. Now this fellow over here, okay, this slender fellow is trying to kill me, okay. I don't, I don't know what his problem is, but he's huge. He's like seven foot ten. He's huge. He's the best. He's the best. Trust me, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, yes, yeah. Well. I- 
I'd be interested to see how a, a full length thing that would work out. <laughs> mm. I mean, yeah. chances are. I wonder if this game is made in China. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, don't play it. It's made in China. <laughs> the conspiracy bit of Chinese. Oh. Yeah. All right. Yeah, we should probably get around <laughs> to what it is. Find some way to segue into the, uh, the episode at hand here. Yeah, okay, let's see. China. Uh, no, I've got nothing. China. <laughs> China, get to the episode. No, that's, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so obviously we have here to talk about uh, film spotlight series thing, and we generally try and start out by the two of us having a go at guessing which genre the film that you like is in. And so oh, okay. f- so far, I think we've got one guess that was fairly close, and every other time it's been a moral victory of yeah, that's a that that might be tangentially mm-hmm. right. I so, think it's your turn to go. Yes, uh, I, uh, yeah, I believe I, I think I'm probably going to s- steal your guess from last time, Ooh. which is uh, the sci-fi fantasy genre. Oh, see, so yeah, that's a, yeah, it's, that captures quite a bit there. Um, yes, it does. That's why right. I'm choosing it. Uh, <laughs> I am going to go with. Uh, I will go with buddy comedy. Oh, you guys really suck. Yes, <laughs> hey, I'm just throwing a dart at a board and hoping I hit something. So yeah, I, really thought it would be, I really thought it'd be easier than that. Well, I, I, you know, I could say drama, but that's being yeah. a little and shady, you know, you know, maybe I will comedy. I, I, kinda, I might, I might actually down. input here the sound of a dart hitting a board as he's saying that. Just, like, <laughs> just as there, is there a sound effect uh, of it falling up, like with it bouncing off the board? Yeah, yeah, just, yeah bouncing mm-hmm. off the, yeah. the bullseye. Especially yeah. given yeah. when you were just going, uh, uh, <laughs> dunk, dunk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, well, apparently we're completely wrong. So, what, what, you tell us? what, what genre and film is it that you've chosen? Action. Action. All right. Uh, I think Brian is more at home in the action genre than I am. A little bit, uh, yeah. Little bit. Uh-huh. So, yeah, yeah. so, which which be? film have you picked for this one? Then? All right. So, uh, a lot of people just don't give this movie enough credit, uh, even though it's an excellent film that I have bought and watched over and over again, and I never get sick of watching it. But it will be the Equalizer with Denzel Washington. Equalizer. Uh, I am trying to remember if I've seen this one. I know Denzel like Washington I said, it's very lot. underrated. A lot of people have not seen it, and they should. <laughs> I, yeah, I have, sadly have not seen it. Yeah, well, that, that's actually kind of perfect then, because I haven't. But what the entire next question or next point is for you to sell people that haven't seen the film on seeing the film. So why don't you tell us why we should see this film? All right, well, at the time this movie came out, uh, John Wick had already come out. And yeah. it's funny, oddly enough, they, they use the same Russian bad guys in both mm. films. And <laughs> you have the same yeah. type situation where there's this one action star who's, you know, fighting his way through through the bad guys to get to the top villain. But I believe that Equalizer did a better job of it. Uh, John Wick's, he always did, well, well, I'll get into that later. Uh, (laughs) Denzel Washington is a much better actor, and he sells the part much better. He doesn't look like a badass in this movie. You don't need he's a very unassuming guy, a lot of shape, a little older, and he works at a hardware store, and you think he's just this unassuming regular guy, but he doesn't sleep at night. Uh, his room is completely organized. You can tell there's just something a little off about this guy because he's just not quite happy with his life the where it, where it is. Yeah. And he uh, 
he finds this girl, this, this girl that, uh, at the coffee shop where he goes to read his books. He's been, his wife passed away. He's trying to read through 100 books and she made it to like 96. And now he's trying to do, to, to finish. So he's reading all these classic stories, Jules Verne, all this other stuff. So he's reading old man in the sea and she comes over and talks to him. And then the, the Russian, uh, pimp pulls up to make sure, cause she's a call, uh, you know, she's an escort call, call girl, you know, prostitute, whatever. Yeah. And then uh, he sees her again later on, and she's her face is pretty bad messed up. And he uh, is concerned, figures out, you know, what's going on, tries to see if he can talk to the guy. Uh, and then he basically gives him his card, and he's like, we'll find you another girl, better girl. And then uh, she ends up in the hospital over because she decides not to show up when she's supposed to show up and talks to him instead about his book. And then, you know, that's, that's what triggers his old, uh, old habits die hard. <laughs> so he goes after this Russian uh, slave trade, sex slave trade, whatever situation they've got going off, and just like straight up murders everybody in like Matrix bullet time. The guy's like a, a killing machine, and he's so freaking badass. He doesn't use the same moves over and over again like Keanu does in his movie, and he's like very MacGyverish in how he takes these guys out. Like he's great at it, and it, the movie just continuously gets better and better as it progresses all the way to the end of the film. It is it is so good, and every time I watch it, I'm like, man, I just even if you've seen this movie, it's still great to just keep watching it over and over again. <laughs> and it's got you know great great performance by Denzel Washington as always, but he's just got these you know these lines that stick with you, like you know the old man got to be the old man, the fish got to be the fish. You know, he's just uh, all right, okay, it's Denzel Washington, <laughs> and yeah, and it's it's a great it's a great movie, and it stars also stars Hit Girl from from Kick Ass is the uh, uh, yeah, yeah, really great, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've always been a huge uh, proponent of John Wick. So to hear that you actually <laughs> preferred this one, that's like major. Uh, I don't know. That's a major statement. That's um, that's how I sell it to people. It's a better John Wick. Really? Because I'm like all about. I saw John Wick in the theater three times. I think three, maybe. Four. And see, everybody gives. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to rush too soon to the movie that I'm disappointed in. But it just everybody freaking loved John Wick, and he gives a cardboard performance. He just uses – I mean, he didn't have to do much with the choreographer because he uses the same moves over and over and yeah. over again. Mm-hmm. And I'm just kind of gets tired of his chop, take your gun away, you know, and you're, yeah. you're, you're, you're done, next guy. And just does the same – it's like it's literally like watching uh, an old 8-bit uh, video game where his only move is chop, kick, chop, kick. <laughs> it's like, okay – do something like, different. I mean, where you play one of those guys in the Street Fighter 2 that all just, just button matches and beats yeah. the shit out of you every time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, Denzel's setting up traps and, like, yeah. <laughs> like all kinds of cool stuff. Well, I wasn't watching, I wasn't enjoying John Wick for Keanu's acting abilities, <laughs> but, you know, it was more of the bullets in the head, that kind of. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's so. got the bullets in the head stuff, but that's that's literally all it's got going for it. And so Denzel takes that same type of film with similar bad guys, no less. And does a better job of it, and it got overlooked. Everybody was. Like, I've certainly heard, yeah, people movie. talk it up. Um, and he is in one of my easily top three favorite action movies, Man on Fire. So, like, I'm yeah. I just I recently uh, recently bought that one and watched that one. That was a good. That was a good. Movie. So plus, good. plus that one's got my favorite. I mean, come on, it's got Christopher Walken. How can you not like this movie? Come on. And uh, anal explosives. Um, yep. Yeah. Yeah. You got the butt bomb. Yeah. yeah. Christopher Walken, who 
runs the gamut definitely of brilliant films and shitty films such as uh, I was Nine on, Lives but, yeah in, in fact I was just you on just another podcast another, yeah. uh, where we ripped into that so yes Nine Lives was the worst movie ever made <laughs> Oh. You gotta see a cat movie, Keanu. That's the way to go. <laughs> it was worse than Garfield too. That's yes. really bad. Yikes! Yeah. The Tale of Two Kitties. I, Did I get that subtitle right? Yes. Like, okay. yep. And I can actually. I tell thought you, that movie was the worst cat movie ever made until I saw it. <laughs> and, and I can tell you with confidence, it's also worse than Grumpy Cat's Worst Christmas Ever. So. Uh, yeah, I would say it's worse than that one too. It's oh, pretty and, bad. Which I'm is so happy I haven't seen any. I would say yes. Which now confirms that you have watched. <laughs> we can't I have four children. Yeah. Oh yes, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah four children and lifetime. That's mm-hmm. what that tells me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they happen uh, to be grumpy cat fans, but they hated Nine Lives. <laughs> yeah. We actually briefly talked about doing that for our main podcast, but yes. it never materialized. And, yeah, then you did it for the our <laughs> friends podcast. Yeah. Um, well, uh, obviously you basically sold us on watching this film at this point. But... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm into it. I've wanted to. I, I have no excuses as to why I haven't. Um... Yeah, well, I think my excuse is for the longest time, I, uh, most action films I was kind of burnt out on. I wasn't really looking for watching it. And then a lot of this stuff just passed me by until I saw John Wick on an airplane. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, I kind of enjoyed that. So uh, then I started looking into watching some of the and should that films. And that should be most people's response. I kind of enjoyed that. <laughs> that's what, they're, that's what the critics, should, critics are saying. I kind of enjoyed that. That's what it should have been. Because it was it not a great film. Yeah. It was not yeah. to be. <laughs> um, and I think I had seen, what was it, um, the, the Raid Redemption prior to that. So it was... Even then, like a less, much less tame version of that, um, which you know I, I will always, you know, talk up the raid because that's just one of the most badass movies ever made. But uh, uh, yeah, if you're, I'm I'm totally in for uh, the Equalizer. I might have to put that in on my Sunday here. Yeah. So, what about this film speaks to you then? Like, what one thing did you take away from watching this film that really made the, you the big the biggest takeaway? is that Denzel, even in his shape and at his age, he did such a great job of portraying this character. This this guy who's a former, you know, obviously a former professional killer for the government of some kind. And he's just, like, it doesn't matter what shape he's in or what age he's in. He still can just take anybody out, like, literally by just touching them. They're, they're just dead. You know, it's like, he's, he's like this, uh, he's like dad bod. You know, Dad Bod Killer. That's what his name should have been. Maybe he would have got like people would have watched it more. Because I was just like, man, you don't. He seems such like the the nice guy that you would give your kid a sucker when you leave this the, the store, the the door greeter guy. And then, <laughs> but you you would not want to mess with this person. Definitely <laughs> not. So is he more badass than uh, Liam Neeson and uh, his? Um, well, Liam Neeson's, me kind of, Liam Neeson's kind of a kind of a flat performance too. It's just all talk and very little of you know everything else. All and talk about the, his you know, like the, no the, the, the yeah exactly the the worst uh, the worst uh, student driver uh, teacher ever. Turn right. Turn left. <laughs> Right. That's just all he does is just shout directions for the whole time. So that movie just went down so hit, downhill so fast. Um, and this movie wasn't necessarily a taken movie. This is more of a, an event, a revenge story. 
mm-hmm. because he warned the guy. I mean, he came in and even gave, gives the guy an out, like just take the money and let the girl go. And uh, and he doesn't take him up on his offer. Okay. Uh, yeah, but it's 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 just an outstanding film, and people just don't they just don't give it a chance, and I think they should. Uh, I think you'd you'd really enjoy it because it was like because the guy is just so. T- not only is he great with the action stuff, because John Wick's the entire focus is like this guy's just this this cold blooded killer who can just take out anybody. Uh, whereas in in Denzel's case, he's also like technically like he makes traps he makes he sets up you know stuff for, for the to catch the bad guys off guard Home Alone he can, style. <laughs> yeah he's like he's, he's like making miniature cameras and hiding them in, in his apartment kind of stuff mm-hmm. like he's literally like mission impossible macgyver meets you know you take you take the greatest of all the type of of action superhero stars and put them all in one person as that kind of character not just one side. Like I'm really good with the action stuff. This guy's good with the technology stuff too. He's like the entire team of Mission Impossible in one dude. <laughs> but does he have the wit of Simon Pegg? That's the question. <laughs> but, you know, he does have the. Uh, it's it's like a toned down version of the one-liners from the '80s, almost. Mm-hmm. Like he's 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 just cold and cool, no matter what he goes like. What no matter what he goes through, he's just like. The coolest guy. He's like whenever you, whenever I talk to Keith David the first time. Like no matter what you guy says, he sounds awesome. He's like, yeah, just yeah, just normal conversations sound cool in his voice because he's a cool dude. Yeah, I was like, the, man, I, I get a big smile every time I see the uh, the Navy Corps. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's not that cool. He just said thank you, but it sounded amazing. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, there's only a few people on earth that just have that skill. Yep. <laughs> but. I guess you'll be excited to know that there is going to be a sequel to it, although it's not coming out. Yes, until and next year. ironically, announced right after John Wick Two was announced. Surprise, <laughs> surprise! <laughs> what are, what are, are they going to be using the same Russians again? <laughs> you know, that was the part that really threw. I was like, these are the same bad guys from John Wick, the exact same actors. They're not just Russians; they're the same <laughs> Russians. Same <dudes>. Yeah, <laughs> no, the same trope, the same exact dudes. Yeah. You but, need to watch the two movies side by side. It's just so much fun. I was like, wait, I know that guy. He was <laughs> <laughs> sync him up. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, it could have been their twin brothers who moved to a different city. To try I to highly that. doubt that. I mean, yeah, the like, guy looks like Zangief. There's no mistaking this guy. Uh, <laughs> uh, hey, well, um, that kind of covers the sequel question. But uh, the only other thing that we typically cover here is what is your favorite scene or moment? in the film uh, obviously you don't want to go into spoilers Spoiler you don't yeah, have to yeah. but oh man there's so many good spots to pick from jeez <laughs> uh i don't know man that's too hard <laughs> well yeah, I, so I think that's an acceptable spots. answer i think that is yeah, I mean, uh, I, I that is, intrigues me even more without without spoiling the movie it's really hard to pick a, a cool <laughs> spot man that's just the so would i would say, say the entire the entire scene at this fake lowe's home depot store at the end, where he's just like taking bad guys out one at a time, when the—I mean, he's just incredible. Like the way he sets his freaking traps up, it's just so good. I did hear any others. And then, uh, well, of, uh, see, I don't want to uh, tell you this part because yeah. it was my favorite thing in the movie, but it's almost a spoiler. But it's not part of the story, so maybe I, I can get away with it. Uh, so he's try- at the beginning of the movie. He's trying to help this guy at the store he works at to make weight in order to become the security guard. He, he works at the store. He's a, a heavy Hispanic fella. And uh, so he's trying to get him to help him to lose weight. So he's training the guy on, on and he, he makes he makes weight. And at the end of the film, he's actually he's become the security guard at that point. 
and then something happens, which I can't go into, uh, to Denzel. And then, uh, cause he, he told him that he has to be able to pull a, pull up at the beginning of the movie. He's like flipping tires. He's like, I can't, he's like, come on. He's like, uh, he's like, uh, if I was in a fire or something that, you know, I weigh a buck 50, you're going to have to be able to pull me out of there. You've got to be able to do this. And at the end of the movie, he does, he rescues Denzel. He's like dragging me. He's like, pulls him into another room. He's like, buck 50, my ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's no way. Basically saying he lied about his weight, yeah. which is just like a, in the middle of this really, you know, dark and <laughs> kill, there's killers everywhere moment. They just throw this joke in there and just like. Brings the mood into like buck fifty. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that's always like it's great when you have good writing like that. <laughs> you can oh, yeah. just throw something like that in. And not every film is able to do that, unfortunately. <laughs> just... Yeah, very few. <laughs> and the guy's like so confident in himself. Like he sits there and times himself. Like, how long is it going to take me to kill these three dudes? Uh, all right, 15 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, if, you, if you've been doing that for so long, maybe you can send memories. Yeah, I mean, you got to challenge yourself. You know, you got to make time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, how much is this going to take away from my Netflix binging later today? Exactly. <laughs> like, I got, I got a pizza in the oven, fellas. I need to be done with this in like 19 seconds. All right. <laughs> all right yeah, well, I... I don't know if anyone listening to this that hasn't seen it will want to see it now, but we definitely do. So there you go. You've got at least two people that are going to go and see this afterwards. Yeah, I always have. I just, yeah. <laughs> that kind of is one of those things I've forgotten about. And then, you know, the, the streaming schedule, is, it's a full-time job. So, yeah, it's, uh, yeah got to catch up on the shows, man. <laughs> but I'll make not enough hours in the day, dude. There There's are, not enough man. hours in the day. Definitely not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's so much good stuff and it's not in one place i mean you guys good stuff on netflix you got good stuff on tv you've got good stuff uh in theaters that's like uh <laughs> yeah and i need I, more time i i had to uh, i recently finished watching the series of unfortunate events on netflix As I did had, I. and it's i had so to good. watch it oh. in the morning mm-hmm. while my wife was getting ready and i had the baby and I was feeding the baby, so I'm watching the TV while I'm feeding the baby. That's the only time I could find to watch it. Oh yeah, well, that's that's perfect. That's perfect time because you're not doing anything else, just sitting there. So yeah, I finished that off. I told Paul in about a 12 hour period, and so you can yeah, clearly took me tell a I don't have a family. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it took me about four or five days to get to get the whole thing seen. Uh, but now I'm trying to finish OA and uh, Magicians and Voltron season two just started, which is a great series of it for any age. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Is, is next on after I finish yeah. all the other ones. I'm on. I got. I'm watching Misfits on Hulu, which is like a five season thing, but only six <laughs> episodes there because it's English. <laughs> I, got, I gotta get, get finished getting caught up because all the new seasons on TV are about to start back up again. Yeah. So yeah, I've only yeah, got about I, a week or two. Really? Yes, I need to find it. Flash starts back next week, so man. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I've got so many things just in the queue on Netflix and Hulu that I don't know when I'll get around to watching some of these other things. But uh, make time, we will eventually. So there. <laughs> right, well, <laughs> that definitely covers the, the like, uh, Yeah, turn the tides here. Yeah, we've we got to go into the slightly more murky waters of the film that you didn't like and... We're not even going to bother trying to guess. This yes, I mean, well, you know, I, you know, as, as we talked, I feel like I kind of already made my point as to why John Wick was not as good as, as Equalizer was. <laughs> yeah, so I think I might change my answer. You know, that that would put you right in the back, right into the into the correct genre again from your guess. But I think I'm going to go with Force Awakens instead. 
Oh, oh really? <laughs> now this. I figure let's have a little controversy on the show. You know? Oh, absolutely. Let's liven it up a little. Yeah, that's, I mean, I, I myself enjoyed it. I'm not a huge Star Wars series fan anyway, but I did enjoy the film, so it will be interesting to get the yeah. other side of it. So. Go on then. Why didn't you like Star Wars? <laughs> what the hell is the matter with you? I did not. I did not. You said it could be a movie I was dis- very disappointed in. I did not. I'm not saying I did not like Force Awakens before we. Let's not set a, a dark precedent here. Yes, no. Uh, I, I, I did enjoy Force Awakens, but it was not one of those films that that. Okay, compare compare the Cars three trailer. <laughs> you know, like when you see that movie, it was like Pixar is like flexing their muscles, saying. We're 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 breaking the mold again. We're about to blow you away all over again. Like the same way we thought when we first saw Toy Story. Like holy crap, this changes the game. This is you know nobody's ever done anything like this. I I assumed because Star Wars did the same thing for me when I I saw them out of order. Unfortunately, I saw Empire first, which is why I don't like Empire the best because I saw the sad one first instead of the happy one and then the sad one like everybody else did. So I was like, I don't like this. This doesn't have a happy ending. (laughs) And then I saw Return of the Jedi next, which made it my favorite. And then I went back and saw New Hope. So I ended up liking Return better than New Hope. So I saw them out of order. I saw saw five, then six, then four, and then waited around for the prequels, which were terrible. (laughs) Um, Although I did have a lot of moments in, in Clone Wars that I actually really liked as far as like cinematic moments, because in the theater that just a few scenes just sounded and looked amazing. Yeah. But uh, a lot of people don't really give that much credit. Uh, and then re- everybody else thought Revenge of the Sith was the third, was the best of the prequels. Um, the best of the worst, that is. Mm-hmm. And it really was just the song. It was the song and Anakin just killing everybody that everybody likes. That's why the only thing in that movie worth watching. <laughs> I think that's fair. And I think that's enough to make it the best out of it. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> in Clone Wars, though, you've got this, this all these Jedi with lightsabers everywhere taking on all these, you know, these bad guys. And there's this army. And I mean, other than this, this thing with uh, R2's head being, or uh, C3PO's head being switched off with a droid body. It's like, other, if you'd left to cut that part out. You get to see Samuel L. Jackson for the first yeah. time up against Django. I mean, it was it was a great that was a great scene. And the the Django chasing Obi Wan through space with those mines, that thing would just it, it shattered my eardrums. It was so cool. It was like wow, that was awesome. I was waiting for their big like what huge spectacular surround sound special effects thing are they going to do to blow me away? And that that was just perfect. The fight between Obi Wan and Django on uh, on the clone planet that was really cool. Uh, so it had it had some great moments in it that I was like, man, this, these actually are really cool by themselves. But the rest of the movie is still full of the same crap that I hated. But when you come to Force Awakens, it's like they they just played it a little too safe. You know, they they kept touting and boasting about, well, we're going back to practical effects again. We're you know sticking to this. We're we're not going to mess this. You know, and what they they ended up doing is just retelling the same story, only slightly differently. And like playing it way too close to the hip and not taking any chances like they did with Rogue One. And for some reason, everybody still like I, I, I just assumed after watching Rogue One, because I thought that was a big improvement for a Star Wars film. And it's a great standalone film as well. But it's a huge it's a much better tie in to New Hope than any of the other three, their three prequel movies were. And I just I assumed after I because I watched Rogue One four times. And I was like, oh, wow. this this movie is such an improvement over Force Awakens because they did everything I thought that they should have fixed in Force Awakens and did it right. They don't in, in Force Awakens they really overdid the the practical effects stuff. It's not that they was because when George Lucas first used it, he knew some of it looked kind of hokey, so he would like 
he would like hide it. He would blend it into the background scenery. He would make it part of the scene to where it's so subtle you almost don't even notice it. You know what I mean? Like they didn't force it right up in the middle of the camera where you're sta- like the the scene in Force Awakens with the uh, with the whatever that that camel alien thing that that the dude was riding is supposed to be. I mean they oh, they yeah. they focus on this thing like for a long period of time. It's right in the center of the screen. It's the only practical effects on screen. And it's like, oh, look, we're using practical effects. I look, that that's not computer animated, everybody. Look, make sure you don't miss it. It's going to be in the scene for five minutes straight. And I'm like, okay, we get it. There's You used, you did this practical effects. This would have been much better if you'd put this in the background a little bit more and not, like, front and center where we could see this, with yeah. where, where the guy caught BB-8. You know, that's the same I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, not exactly yeah, it's just Jurassic like they, they really – they really focus. They just try to over-focus almost on the practical stuff just to make sure everybody saw all the <laughs> stuff they worked on hard that was not made with computers. Yes. And I'm like, I think you just should have – I think you should have toned that way down, blended it more into the film where it's just – it becomes part of the movie and part of the magic, whereas it's, it stands out almost too much. And in Rogue One, they fixed that. They toned all that way down, and it made for a better movie. And Rogue One did what I thought Force Awakens should have done. Because when you see Tarkin for the first time and you see his reflection in the glass and Stephen Stanton's doing the voice for it, who also does the voice for Tarkin in, in the uh, Star Wars Rebels cartoon, and it's like, holy crap, that's good. And then he turns around and it is not like it is not like uh, Ant-Man where they youngify Kurt Russell you know, <laughs> or Kirk, Kirk Douglas. And it's like it's so much better that for, there's moments where you forget the guy's not dead and it really feels like it's him. That was that moment where I was like, "Wow, they have set the bar high," because this bl- that blew me away how good it was. With Princess Leia, it wasn't quite as good. Like it was a little more obvious that it wasn't it wasn't her. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was the Tarkin was was brilliant. I think I think it might have been a smarter move though to keep him in the shadows or at a distance, where or you're seeing his reflection against the glass, or you you don't see him super up close. I think that would have made it a little more. It, it, I think it would have improved on what they did. But the fact that they put him very close to the camera, you can tell. I mean, it's obvious that it's computer animated because most people are going to know. But if you were if you were a kid seeing Star Wars for the first time, you may not even know with Tarkin that that guy has been dead for years, and that's just a computer animated lookalike with somebody else doing his voice because it was really good. And a lot of people complained about the character development in, uh, in in Rogue One, and I was like, they don't really give a lot of development to <laughs> Force Awakens either. Like, there's just this girl, this thing. I mean, the movie leaves way more questions than answers. And there's and they they okay, they take another farm type girl on another desert type planet who has a little droid friend, and then they go to and they and they don't just stick with just they don't just redo everything from New Hope. They put little pieces. Of all three of the original movies in it, they go to a snowy planet where they're all wearing <laughs> wearing these coats, and I'm like, "Come on, guys, we've done this before." And it's like, "No, this isn't this Death Star. This is even bigger than the Death Star." <laughs> I'm like, "It's the Death Star. Come on, dude. You call it whatever you want. Call it Star Killer." Yeah. So all the fans are like, "Oh, Luke Skywalker." But it's a really big Death Star. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the, it's the same thing. It's got a it's got similar villains, similar character, you know, similar mm. good guys, similar bad guys. And they just really heavily leaned on nostalgia and playing it safe and sticking to what Star Wars fans liked. Whereas Rogue One took a bigger chance with on on that and tried to make a, a unique story based on what does exist in films already. And I thought that the that K two S two was a brilliant droid. He's, he's a perfect combination of R two and C three PO. 
these C-3PO's like nervous, neurotic emo-ness and like R2 <laughs> sassiness in one robot, which made him so great. And when, and, and everybody complains, like oh, I mentioned earlier, like they, they don't, they say that there was not enough char- character development in Rogue One, but I'm like, you know what? I, I was like, no, they're not going to kill them all off. Come on. I was just getting to like these guys and now they're dying, you know. And <laughs> and when you, whenever a film makes you care that the character's not going to make it, I think they did a good enough job of establishing the characters. Uh, Chirrut was like my only character that I wish we had seen more of because they don't really explain a whole lot about him, and he's so cool. I'm with the force forces with me, and then his freaking staff turns into a laser, and he's a blind guy shooting down Tie Fighter. I mean, he was such a cool guy, uh, <laughs> and I get that he's very Obi Wan like. They did the same yeah. thing that that New Hope did, or not New Hope, but Force Awakens did, or they have characters that are very similar. You, instead of a rebel princess, you have a you know a, a rebel rebel, and 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 the whole gist of the story is that they don't just rebel against the the Empire; they also rebel against the rebellion. Who tells them not to go do this thing, and they do it anyway? I'm like, they're double rebels. They rebelled against everybody, even the good guys. And you got this big guy, big giant hairy character with a large gun. That's a very Chewbacca type character. You've got this great pilot that's also roguish and good looking, like Han Solo. Uh, you know, so yeah. I mean, I just think Rogue One was. I think Rogue One learned from what force awakens uh complaints were and like did it better but i've heard that they had to change the story because when the character survived the story fans just didn't care as much so they changed it to where they did die at the end which i kind of liked that better because it actually made me because i was it's like they give you enough time to start liking the characters they keep saying that they had you know they, they were dry performances they weren't but they made me care enough that i didn't want to see them all die and they did die so yeah, that's i think that time. i think that was yeah, a perfect way to right. end it it was like they they made you care just enough to where you're not furious when you leave because nobody survived, but you're just like, oh, that was sad, but that was that was really cool how they did that. If they had given them better performances, we might have been ticked that they killed them all off. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, The Force Awakens is just they they again lean too heavily on nostalgia, reused too much of the same stuff, overly emphasized the uh, the practical effects stuff, and it's not one of those movies where you just want to watch it over and over again and you never get sick of it. Like with any of the original films, I could watch them again and again and again because they were the first ones to do it. You know, they they did things that nobody had ever seen before. And in Force Awakens, they did things that everybody has seen before millions of times. Big giant computer animated things. And yeah. seriously, the big slimy octopus ball monster deal rolling around Han Solo's ship or whatever. It was just, oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say, yeah, I, I did watch it opening night like a midnight show i did too on that thursday you know and it was i mean the, the theater experience itself was pretty awesome you know I, i'm not a huge it was. fan it was boy great. um but definitely you know all those types are there and it was one of those that was very good on selling you at the time that it was a very good movie <laughs> but it is i mean i i still seem to like it a lot more than you do but uh, i you know i have it well my, my problem is it was not a game changer no. like star wars like the original trilogy mm-hmm. was a game changer especially empire empire did yeah. things that no film had ever done before and this yeah. film did everything that's all that's always been done before just to make sure <laughs> that they didn't get the negative uh, reviews and, and feedback that they got from the prequels yeah. and i just felt like that wasn't that wasn't risky enough i mean i think that they obviously they learned for what not to do from the prequels and i think they they should have taken a little more chance and not i want to see another i want to see a new story not the same story i'd already seen before and it's just one of those films where yeah i saw it but 
it's kind of forgettable. I mean, there's a few little moments in it that you're like, oh, that was really good. BB-8 was a very cute character that everybody loves. It brought in a lot of female fans, I think more so than any of the other Star Wars films have done, because they have the cutest little droid ever, who's even cuter and tinier than R2-D2, and he's a bono, and he's adorable. <laughs> and you got the, you know, even my friend, I have a friend who just dresses from head to toe, BB-8, is everything. She just loves BB-8. BB-8 is love, BB-8 is life, or whatever. Um, but it's just like, that's one character in the movie. One character does not a movie make. And I just didn't, I, the performances were, they felt out of place with the universe. You know, they, uh, do you have a boyfriend? You got, they didn't mention boyfriends or anything that's Earth-like before in any movies. And, you know, the, the, they just, they seemed like those characters in the dialogue was out of place in the Star Wars universe. You know, like they have, they previously in, in the original trilogy, uh, they had no references to anything that was of Earth in any in any shape or form. They were using English, but they the way they delivered the lines made you believe that they believed that they, what they were doing was real, which is why the movie was so well done, because you really thought they wanted to go to Tashi to get some power converters. I mean, he just he said it like he believed it. And in the new one, it, all the dialogue feels a little more forced, and hopefully I'm starting to like shatter the illusion of how great this movie is a little <laughs> bit for you. Because when no, you go no, back no, and I'm watch not, it yeah. and you notice this uh-huh. stuff, you're like, yeah, you know, that really doesn't sound like, you know, <laughs> he wouldn't have been saying this if this had been the original the original trilogy. They would have never said this type of dialogue before. Um, but the, the, the parts of the movie I did like, though, they, and they and also, I mean, they're just now starting back with the Star Wars movies, and their first one, they're going to try to go for that Empire moment, that big shock at all moment. Mm-hmm. And I was like, really, it's it's awfully soon for that. Like, the very first one that you do. And I was like, they need to, they, they wanted it to go ahead and say, oh, we're, we're going to literally do everything from, from the first trilogy in one film. That'll make it stand apart from everything. But if, if if you watch it once, it's like, yeah, that was pretty good. But, I mean, if you watch it more than twice, you're just like, eh, <laughs> I've seen this. You know, uh, I don't really have any mood to watch this again. Uh, yeah. And so it's not one of those movies where you see it pop up on, on the cable. And you're like, oh, man, Force Awakens, nothing else is on. I'm going to watch this. It's like, eh, do I really want to watch this again? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say like i'm very cautious now because like i, I do have it on itunes or and i i have watched it a couple times there saw it a couple times in the theater but it is a situation where i haven't enjoyed it as much as that first time it's it's been exactly all the d- diminishing returns for me exactly which i don't want to keep watching it now because then i'm going to start not liking it as much that's my um, point it's and not I one, see, with the original trilogy watching. Yeah. With the original trilogy, no matter how many times you watch it, it still holds up. It's still good, mm-hmm. and you don't mind watching it again. And, and, and with yeah, go ahead. With with Force Awakens, like the more you watch it, the more you notice the things that they were like, "Oh, really wish they hadn't done that," <laughs> or "That's mm-hmm. not something anybody would have said in this universe." <laughs> or yeah. "Okay, we get it. That thing's practical effects. You can get it off the screen now." <laughs> yeah. When you just brought up like the boyfriend thing, like that did kind of. Sticking yeah, a little just, bit that a lot of the it's dialogue like these little sore yeah. thumbs sticking out all through it's, the film. It's not like, quite oh. fourth wall breaking, but it borders on it. Like who talks it's first? Who talks first? I talk first. You know, like very genre aware. And it, it was like their way of doing what they try to do with Georgia. Let's throw something in here that's really just for kids, like mm-hmm. just for little kids. To let's throw this little bit of humor, this little boyfriend joke in here so the kids are going hey, boyfriend huh? mm-hmm. but I'm like you know what Lucas didn't do that the first movie he just made a good movie it didn't really you know he didn't specifically put there this is going to be 
this is going to be just for the for the young children in the audience that are watching this movie. Uh, I don't. I, th- I think if you make a good movie, that's that's not too dark. Uh, that any age will will still like it and still find something in it. They, if you don't specifically put something in there that ruins it for everybody else. Talking about the nostalgia thing as well. I don't know how caught up with South Park you are if you are a fan of South Park. Uh, I watched a little bit, but not a huge well, fan. In the latest series, they did a thing where they. They got J.J. Abrams to reboot the national anthem because people were protesting it, and because <laughs> he did such a great job with Star Wars: Force Awakens and so on and so forth, and so he agrees to do it. A month later, he comes out with this rebooted national anthem, and what happens is there's a thing at the beginning of the national anthem that just goes, "Please stand or kneel or sit for the national anthem," and then it's the exact same national anthem. And then just going, he's done it. He's rebooted. <laughs> <laughs> and listening to you talk, it's like, ah, yeah. <laughs> that That's pretty much. I mean, the the one the one thing that in the film that really stood out for me as a positive was was Harrison Ford in the film. He was great. He was yeah. it was great having that. Mm-hmm. His character, just the way the way he portrays the character, was was fun. Yeah. That's not how the Force works. Is one of the few things because I mean, if you think about it, go back to the original trilogy. How many things from the original tw- trilogy? Just just one, just one movie. Let's just say this is the first of a new trilogy. So let's just compare this just to New Hope. I mean, they already pulled a lot from New Hope, as it is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But look how many lines are quotable from New Hope. And think of how many how many things can you remember that stood out to you in Force Awakens? Because that's not how the Force works. Is about one out of maybe two or three. And I can't even think of anything off the top of my head besides that's not how the Force works. Chewie, we're home. That one, that one's yeah. <laughs> um, but there's not, I mean, there's just so many that people just can almost quote the entire film. It was just so quotable because it has those little moments. And there was just not that many moments in Force Awakens that really stood out. Uh, and uh, I mean, on the positive side, at least there weren't any bad one liners that were like, uh, <laughs> like sand, of course, and it gets everywhere. You know, it's not, there's not any of those. <laughs> but it doesn't have a lot of those stands, those great shot, kid. Don't get yeah. cocky, you know. <laughs> yeah. There's not any. There's not a lot of that in there, um, and the and the few moments that there are, they're not audio. They're not. Mm-hmm. They're not quotable moments. It's like BB-8 with his little, his little lighter thumbs up things because stuff like that stood out for me. Yeah. Um, but there weren't a lot of mo- moments in it where people can just quote it because it's just like, wow, this is the first time we're ever seeing anything like this before. Mm-hmm. And I get that the, ma- the 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 market's saturated with this stuff now, so it's hard not. It's hard to do something that nobody else has seen before. But I feel like Rogue One did. Rogue One had that stuff that was like, whoa, that looks cool. How in the world did they bring this guy back to life? Because that was awesome. Yeah. Uh, and it was also one of those things where they they're tying in their they're they're tying all their stuff in together. They had uh, the the Star Wars Rebels. They had the ship and the actors in there somewhere because this happens during Star Wars Rebels, which was a cool tie-in. You have to, it's an Easter egg. You'll have to go back and find it. But the ship's there, and the, and the fight scene where they're trying to take down the generator the, to get to the planet. Um, and Vanessa Marshall, who does uh, um, Gamora's uh, character from Guardians of the Galaxy, but she's also – I always forget the name of the character. Uh, she's the green uh, the pilot from Rebels. She's credited in the movie because she's in there somewhere during the, during the, the radio sound check call when the ships are going on in the attack. And I'm like, that's so cool that they tied those, th- those two things in. Um, so yeah, there was just so much. I just enjoyed Rogue One so much better, and I really thought that I'd be in the majority because I'm usually when I review a film on my channel, it's uh, I'm a pretty down the middle guy. You know, I'm I'm not a super fan. I'm not a cinephile 
by any stretch of the imagination, but I do love movies and I do watch plenty of them and I do know most of them. I don't know intricate details like some of the guys from Screen Junkies do where they have this mounds of useless information that are only good for talking about movies. Um, but I know him well enough to know this This movie was enjoyable. It had a few little things in it that I didn't care for, but this movie was pretty good and this movie was pretty bad. You know, that, I'm just that kind of guy. I'm, I'm like the you know average Joe type movie reviewer person. And when I watched Rogue One, I was like, this movie is such a much better film than Force Awakens. And it, a lot, way more people than I thought would disagree with me. And I, I thought, I figured that people who liked uh, Force Awakens better than Rogue One would be in the minority. And I was t- like, I found every hater on the internet. No, Force Awakens <laughs> is the best movie ever. I'm like, what kind of what kind of pills did they make you take before you watch this film that made you love this so much? <laughs> <laughs> you also have to, yeah. I, I was gonna say, yeah, to play the devil's advocate just slightly. Um, and you kind of alluded to it earlier, like the, after how utterly shitty and unwatchable those prequels are, <laughs> like they were under a lot of pressure to deliver. And I think, like I said, they it had to be something safe. It yeah, was like it was like an much. algorithm of like just fanboy pleasure. Yeah, but I mean, you know, fan service does not make a fan service doesn't mm-hmm. make a great story that's going to be timeless. Like, I think they were too afraid to take any sort of risk. I think so too. I think and, they were they were they thought it was too risky to do something that that you know wasn't super familiar. Like we're just going to take this and, and it's the same. It's the it's the requel. It's the yeah. age of the requel. You take a reboot and you make a sequel out of it. So mm-hmm. you're not you're not rebooting the series. You're still making a sequel, but you basically made a reboot of the same exact thing like Jurassic World did. Jurassic World is a reboot. I call it a reboot because I think it's better. Oh, yeah. Like, no, it's, that, it's that one definitely like, reboot makes it sound like it reeks, like it stinks. Because yeah. so, <laughs> yeah. most often, reboot which is my phrase, uh, copyright patenting, <laughs> uh, reboot quals are like, they're not, they're not, they don't necessarily suck. They're actually really fun to watch. But the main mm-hmm. reason why they're good, why they're fun to watch is because they use so much of the same stuff they've used before. Um, but, and, and like I said, Jurassic World, I freaking love Jurassic World. Jurassic World is one of those movies where I could watch it again and again and it wouldn't bother me. Oh, really? But See, it is not that great a story that one. if you really think about it. It's got a lot uh, of holes, but it's still fun yeah. to watch. That uh, one's 98% nostalgia. Yeah. I mean, Jurassic yeah. World. Oh, and, yeah. And so, to, to pull from something I saw you do with the nostalgia critic. Because the best part in that is the motherfucking T-Rex scene. So. Yeah, I don't, if I had known that he was not going to censor that, I probably would have said no. Because <laughs> all the other big channels I work with, uh, they automatically censor the language for the, for the kids. Yeah. I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> nah, yeah, I, yeah I, I've been a big fan of the Nostalgia Critic for a while, and uh, I kind of like that he doesn't. Census. Well, uh, I'm, I'm not. You may be the first guys that I've announced this on uh, during an interview, but uh, I may be doing a lot more for them in an official capacity Ooh. pretty soon. So, so keep, keep stay Breaking tuned. Story, keep but... <laughs> Breaking news. <laughs> yeah. And an actual. But and now the word is gone from my head. Oh, where to go? Crumbling under the pressure. An, an actual thing. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> a scoop. Search Just like Force Awakens. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, and get your hopes up, and then completely let you down. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but but to try and save myself, I'm going to I'm going to suggest that you ever feel the desire to rewatch the prequels. I don't know why you would, but anyway, no. um, mm-hmm. watch it under two. Uh, like little criteria. Number one, Jar Jar Binks is a Sith Lord, and number two is that Padme and Obi Wan are having an having affair. an affair. Yeah, I've yeah. heard this one. Actually, my favorite is comes from Cracked. Uh, the entire the entire story 
from beginning to end is actually being retold by R2-D2, which is why it's got the goofy silly. It's why R2 has miraculous weapons and things and always oh, yeah, saves the day never, in every yeah. single movie. And why C-3PO is always the bad guy because he, he's, he, he's telling the story as if he's a jerk. Yeah, it, it, it is. A, I love that. Even and, why it's not, and it also why like the love scenes don't make any sense because like what does a robot know about love? So it's telling the story badly. If you think of it this way, it, the movie's a lot more enjoyable. Like, this is just Archie's perspective. Uh, I had to find make anything a drinking game, and then I can get through the movie. I really wish somebody, I wish some, somebody would go back and just take the best parts, and I say I use that term very loosely, yeah. but the best scenes from all three of the prequel movies and make it into one decent movie, one decent cut. I've seen the edited, uh, the, the Jar Jar Free edition, but that still doesn't rescue it from all of the boring crap. No. Yeah. No. So I think there, there's there is a cut somewhere where if you take the best of the best, because the fight scene between Anakin, Qui Gon, and Darth Maul was really good. Yeah. That that scene was great. Uh, and the pod race, I think, if they'd cut the announcer out and you know a few of the silly moments out and shortened that whole scene down a lot, that would have been okay as well. I thought Watto was a fun character. Um, but there, I mean, like I said, there's a lot of small stuff that's okay. And it just and but I think there's so little of it in each one of the movies that you could probably make one film of all the best scenes from all three films, <laughs> and it would be like this is watchable now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like if somebody re-edited Batman versus Superman into separate movies. It's like let's do the death of Superman and the introduction of the, the introduction of the Justice League. We'll just cut this one film into six, and then this movie will be fine. Yeah, but make little little short short films that were released online. Exactly, <laughs> it would have been better. I don't know. I mean, I feel like some. I feel like that's that's a common thing with so many films. It's like somewhere in here is a good movie. It's just it's just <laughs> been badly edited. Batman vs Superman had that problem, and I've I've not been to the one of the one of the ones from Screen Junkies that just bad bashes the crap out of it because I feel like the guy was given an impossible task of taking six <laughs> major comic book story arcs and fitting them into one film, which is a downright impossible thing to do. Yeah. But uh, Superman, Man of Steel two should have been him versus a, a much less villain um brainiac or something to that effect and then he has to go or metallo i always thought metallo would have been a good second film a uh, second uh and, and then maybe have him meet batman somewhere in the movie start setting up uh a batman versus superman you know but i think that i think that uh and i don't mean to go off tangent here but this is just like <laughs> common mistake with movies in general it's just the same thing i thought with force awakens that D- doomsday should be like a final boss for the third for a third movie like that should have been in the, tri- the the end of the trilogy and yeah. then establish a batman versus superman film uh, and then do a justice league movie but they i feel like they just tried to rush to the finish line and to throw everything in one film so we can get caught up with Marvel. This, yeah, this podcast will be four hours long if I go into my <laughs> yeah. But so. I mean, I, I was just making I was just making a point that that's that's the kind of thing that I see a problem a regular problem with with movies is that they're they're either doing too much or they're just doing a bad job of editing. But I feel like that's where Force Awakens went wrong. I feel like this movie could have been edited better and just reshot a little bit more, and I would have liked it so much more than I did. And instead, the way they did cut it was like, I just feel like I'm watching the same movie, the pieces of the original trilogy all over again, just slightly edited in a different way. <laughs> yeah, you're seeing the, the alternative takes yeah. for the original. Yeah, it's like a shiny, you know, gold paint on a wall that starts peeling by the third watch, you know? Exactly. Like, oh, here's the same <laughs> color. Yeah, underneath. and it's, it's, a little, it's all yeah. these reboot, all these reboot wools are the same way. They pull, they pull the, wool, the nostalgia wool over their eyes. And they're like, oh man, I love this movie, but 
but do you? Would you go back and watch all the Star Wars movies, including this one, back to back to back to back? Or would you get kind of sick of this after about an hour and a half, after yeah. you've seen it one or two times? <laughs> I, th- I think the issue you run into when you start ripping into The Force Awakens and pointing out this, this, and this, is that when everyone then says, like, hey, this is a great film, what they're saying is, hey, I really enjoyed the originals, and this is pulling on it so much that <laughs> exactly you're... Exactly right. This 100% accurate. Yeah. What you're saying is that I'm a Star Wars fan, and I love this movie. Yeah. <laughs> because it had Star Wars fan service in it. Yes. <laughs> it, they could have just called it Star Wars The Fan Service Returns or something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah, The Phantom Menace. Oh, and we are done. <laughs> I think we got to end right here. <laughs> yeah. We're not going to top that. Probably not. Yeah. Well, yeah, that probably is it. <laughs> Otherwise, we are just going to keep ripping on Star Wars and stuff like No, that. I'm pretty much done. I don't think I have anything else left to rip on it. But hopefully, uh, hopefully, I've at least shattered the glass that was that was blinding people like, and ruined the illusion no, for I'm them about this movie. I'm still a Daisy Ridley fan. You're not going to get the Daisy Ridley fan out of me. There's nothing wrong. Okay. There's nothing yeah. wrong. I will, I will yeah. say this as a disclaimer. There's nothing wrong with liking Force Awakens. There's plenty yeah. to like. I just think as a Star Wars film and as a movie in general, I think there's there's a lot of issues that could have been changed to make it a much better movie mm-hmm. instead of <laughs> playing it as safe as they did. So yes. I will say, and I, like I said, I didn't hate the movie. I was just disappointed. Yeah. I felt like they could have changed some things and it would have been it would have been just as good as the trilogies. Like seeing this movie for the first time, not being a Star Wars fan, never seeing anything like it before, it could have been like a new generation's new hope. And it wasn't. It does not stand out as good for me. Yes, it was the old generation. New hope. Well, thankfully for the prequels, it is at least the fourth least hated. Yes. <laughs> so, so. Yeah. And yes, yeah. you, you have firmly broken the lens that have been flaring in everyone's faces for this one. To, yeah. to give it a rip on the good old JJ there. Uh, yes, let's, yeah, could have used some more lens, uh, lens players in there. It was a little, you yeah. know, down from the Star, Star Trek count. Yes, I, and I, I, I will give I'll give JJ kudos for for trying for bringing the practical effects stuff back to Star Wars because it, it missed that. But mm-hmm. you didn't have to just stick it in her face quite so much, bro. Yeah, yeah, so <laughs> Fair enough. I, I'm just I'm looking forward to Ryan Johnson take with the next one. Mm-hmm. Do you big Johnson uh, fan? Uh, yes, yes. You love the Johnson. <laughs> Big, small. You, you could say that, yes. I've been a fan of the Johnson for several years now. Uh, <laughs> look, Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. Go on, Paul. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's part of the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, oh no, the call has ended. Sorry. Oh, yes, yeah. Trouble with Skype once again. <laughs> So, as we have said several minutes ago and then kept talking, I think that's probably a good place to spend it. Yeah, that's kind of a theme of us. Yeah, we have have about as many endings as Return of the King. Is this the shameless self-promoting of the guest part of the show? Yes, it can be. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You can follow me on all social media at Epic Voice Guy. It's pretty much Facebook.com slash Epic Voice Guy, Twitter at Epic Voice Guy. Uh, Instagram. Uh, I try to do uh, different content based on each individual one. That way there's exclusive versions of each thing that I do on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. YouTube is my main thing that I try to push. Uh, it's youtube.com slash C slash Real Epic Voice Guy. Or if you just look up John Bailey or Epic Voice Guy, you'll find them pretty easy on all the things. But that's pretty much it. And like I said, I've got a uh, I've got a game that I'm going to be a major bad guy in uh, coming out next month. And then I'm not sure when the other game I'm going to be in my first fighting game, but I can't say which one it is, but I don't know when, when that will come out this year. 
Uh, and you can also kill me in various ways in Dishonored 2. And uh, you can hear me telling you how badly you play the games in the XCOM franchise. Um, yeah. Other than that, you can kind of hear me all over all over the YouTubes. And uh, you can also hear me as Optimus Prime in Transformers Combined Awards on Go90. <laughs> and yeah. obviously, Honest Trailers are, uh, mm-hmm. and Honest Game Trailers are out every Tuesday. And we're starting Honest Anime Trailers before too long on Screen Junkies Plus, but that will be an exclusive, so you'll have to go there that and watch that. That will be interesting. <laughs> and myself and Brian just watched the Pacific Rim Honest Trailer. Oh, uh, that's one of my favorites. That's yeah, so good. Yeah, yeah. I actually, uh, it's one of the one of the few that I helped write. I got a writing credit for that one. Uh, oh, so they're like, we yeah. feel like, they said we feel like we're missing a, something important. We just can't fit our. I was like, you're you're completely skipping over the drifting. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Yep. It's like it's so bad in the movie that they make this huge important plot detail about yeah. having to have two compatible people that are related, and then twice in the movie it's one guy by himself, and at the end of the movie it's two complete strangers. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, the, the Marshall. It's such and a the, dumb way yeah, that they're making. They're yeah. like, oh man, how did we miss that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like as you put the the dumbest awesome movie or the yes. awesome, yeah, most awesome dumb, dumb movie. movie ever made. Yeah. <laughs> One of my one of people's favorite honest trailers lines of all time. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. Paul and I talked to them, like we uh, did a something like our own award show kind of type thing, and that was our most fun like theater experience film. Like, yeah. it's yeah. such a dumb fun movie. I mean, it's it, like going to see Godzilla when you're a kid. For it. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it is just one of those ear to ear smile. Yeah, that movie's like and that was... this is stupid, but it's great. <laughs> it's like when I was like five or six years old, and those, those cheesy black and white Godzilla movies would come on. It's just good old fashioned dumb fun. Yeah. It doesn't really have to make sense. It's just really cool to watch it. Yeah, that that was when we did the review for it. That was exactly my point. You felt like you were eight years old watching yeah. Power Rangers again, or watching Pretty all these I mean, it's got it's got all your favorite eight year old things. It's got doggies <laughs> and bright colors and giant robots. And monsters. Yep, giant robots. Forgot about till the third act. Yeah, there's no yucky cooties in it. It's just all good <laughs> boy bashing fun, yeah. and it just oh, yeah. makes you want to see crossovers with like Godzilla and King Kong, like really bad. Oh god, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sadly, it, when we do see something like that. In the future, it's probably going to be a, kind of as bad as the Godzilla one was. Honestly, though, when I, when I saw it for the first time, I was like, this is going to end up being a cult classic. People are just going to be this huge fan base of, like, mechs versus monsters fans that are just going to freaking love this movie. <laughs> and I was totally right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Brian Cranston led. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right so this is ending number three i think yes <laughs> two yes. more and we'll be good i'll say if you keep if you want to talk movies man you, you can't you gotta you gotta stop or i'll just keep going. exactly you're yeah we are just we're all addicts here so we're just gonna keep yeah we're at the ending that's after the one where they're jumping on the bed this is uh oh the return, okay the return yes. of the king endings yeah we haven't quite gone to the green I will say to kind of wrap things up because you did bring uh, Brian Cranston, but that was my, my latest video that I just made is uh, Walter White uh, as Zordon reacting to the Power Rangers trailer. So oh, okay. check that out. <laughs> that's, that's a lot of layers there, and I love it. <laughs> I yeah. couldn't help myself. It's just too good not to mm-hmm. do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I watched the trailer, and for the I think for 80% of the trailer, it is not Power Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> there's, oh yeah. There's like there's sod all in that. There's actually Power Rangers, and then you see it's something like, that's close enough to Power Rangers. It's that like DC's like, oh, dark and brooding Power Rangers versus <laughs> like 
it's like if, it's it feels kind of like they uh if if Michael Bay directed a DC movie. <laughs> yeah, that's coming down the pike. Yeah, the, the only the only part of the trailer that I actually thought would look good was Rita Repulsa. That's it, and you don't even. Know oh, you mean fe- you mean female Loki? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that, you don't even know who it is from the trailer, but yeah, so that's who it is. Um, I can't remember who I was talking to, but that. What was it twelve minute long fan made sort of gritty future of Power Rangers was so much better than the trailer and what we're probably oh, yeah, to get it. The fan stuff is always better. Did you see the fan version of uh, Batman vs or Superman versus Doomsday? Like I, I was like, know. crap, that's what we could have gotten. Jeez, that looks good. Damn it, no, <laughs> so I, crazy. I have not seen that. I, the only other fan thing I saw a while ago was uh, it was fan made live action Dragon Ball Z. I haven't seen that one. It was. It was a, a crowdfunded thing. They released the first episode and then said, if you like it enough, like we want to make more, but it's going to be this much. And I think they, they did end up making it, but I, I didn't get the chance to watch it. So, <laughs> so, But again, that was done better than the Power Rangers trailer. So yeah, I think unfortunately, not even Nostalgia is going to save that one unless the trailer is different than the film they're going to put out. Can be worse than the Dragon Ball Z movie that actually did get me. Yes, no, yeah. Dragon Ball <laughs> Evolution. What the fuck was that? Anyway. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not get into that right now. Yeah. So. <laughs> Discussions for another time. Or never at all. Ever, <laughs> ever, ever. So, <laughs> uh, so may as well finish up then. So, obviously... You heard where you can find Mr. Bailey, and you can find us through just searching Blokebusters. And yeah. we're pretty much the first, like, I don't know, three entries you find. That's probably us. If it isn't, then. Then we'll, tell us, and we will yeah, fight and kill those people. Yes, uh, we, we will try and control Google enough that we can change that. Uh, <laughs> yes, we have that much sway. Mm. Uh, yes. So, yeah, so, once again, I've been Paul. I've been Brian. I've been John Bailey. Yes, the wonderful John Bailey. Thank you so much for coming on. Yes, we're both big fans. Thank you. (laughs) All right, and we will see you guys soon.